Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. I want to welcome you here to uh, Lighthouse Community. Uh, really glad you're with us today. I want to start off just a little bit different than what we would normally do. Um, I know that Josh uh, just led us in a moment of prayer, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I would actually like to um, re-engage into a moment of prayer with us as a family if we can do that. So I'm just going to ask you, if you're here in the house or you're joining us online, if you'd bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's let's just focus in on the Father for, for a moment. Lord, I'm grateful that you are ever-present. There is nowhere that you are not. There's no place where your eye is not gazing and cannot see. Even beyond physical locations, you see into our hearts. You see into our bodies. You see the condition of our spirits and our countenance. I'm thankful that even while we may be able to fool one another with smiles and presentation, um, all those things on the external, you see past all of that, and you know truly where we're at. You know when we're wrestling with things, you know when we're struggling, you know when we're trying to tough through a situation, maybe maybe we're battling with physical pain, maybe we're battling with something uh, deeply emotional that's going on, uh, maybe we're battling uh, just mental blocks and barriers, and we just don't know how to move past those moments. I'm thankful that you never leave us alone, and that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us, and you are already there. And the reason that we draw near to you is because you've been inviting us. And so I'm wondering if you would do that again this morning. I know we've read scripture and we've sang songs. We've spent time praying. Um, I'm just wondering right now if all of the things that may be clouding our minds, weighing down on us, things that we're thinking about, would you be able to just move those to the side? Would, Would we lay those at your feet knowing that we can trust the almighty creator of the universe? to handle those. And may we be able to hear with clarity your voice today through the scriptures, through your spirit speaking to us, and would you grant us the courage to trust you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, I wonder um, if you have ever faced a situation where you have been um, scammed with something fake when you thought you were buying the real thing, right? Has this ever happened to you? I don't know. Uh, Ladies, if you're super excited to get this amazing deal on a coach bag, and then you get it, and it shows up, and it says couch, right, on it, on the side instead, or you get the the, the Gucci sunglasses, and you read the side, and it actually says Gucci goo uh, over there, right? Like, I don't, I don't know, right? That's frustrating when you think you're getting the real thing, and then it's actually not the real thing. 
and, and you thought it was going to be. Here's another question, a little layer lower, right? Have you ever intentionally gotten the knockoff version hoping to fool the people around you that you actually did get the real thing, right? Um, I watched a video recently of some people who had all kinds of, of jewelry and, and you know, necklaces and rings and whatever displaying wealth. And, and so then there was this guy, and I don't know how this thing works, but he had this little device that was like a diamond tester. And so he would go up to some of these people who are wearing all of this jewelry, and he's like, hey, I, can, I, can I test your jewelry for a second? And on some of them, he'd test it, and it was real. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is a genuine diamond. And then others, he would test it and it would come back as fake. And so some people who had the fake jewelry, they would kind of smile and laugh because they knew that they just got caught, right? Like they knew it was fake, um, it wasn't real. Uh, but then there were other people who were just legitimately shocked and disappointed, even angry, because they thought they had the real thing. They paid what they thought was for the real thing, and here it was. It was actually a fake. And, and probably fakes are less of a big deal when we're talking about things like purses and sunglasses and jewelry and things along those lines, but I think it becomes a much bigger deal when we're talking about more important things that need to be genuine, things like, like medicine, things like a spouse, right? And, and probably the most important of all, faith, right? Like understanding the difference between genuine faith and fake faith. And the sad reality is that there are too many people walking around every day with fake faith. And some know that it's fake, and they're just hoping that no one finds out. Right? And if they can fool enough people, then, then maybe there's a chance to even fool the Lord in that process. But they know it, and, and they're just hoping nobody discovers that. But then there's another group of people that actually don't even realize that they're walking in disingenuous, disingenuous faith because they've never really taken the time to look closely at, at what they're putting their faith in, who they're trusting, what that means on the day-to-day. And so I wonder, what about you? Where, where do you land? Do you know, where do I land on that continuum of genuine faith versus disingenuine faith, right? The real thing versus a counterfeit. Well, today, what I want to do is I want to show you from the Bible what genuine faith looks like. And then I want to talk about a couple of intentional steps that you and I can take to continue growing into genuine faith. So as Josh mentioned, if you'll open up your Bibles to John chapter 15, or you can click over there on your device, that's where we're going to start. But we're going to be in a lot of different places, so be ready to kind of jump around. While you're going and finding John 15, I do want to welcome everybody here in the house. Thanks for being here today. And I want to welcome those of you who are joining us, maybe at Bluffton, maybe in Faustoria, maybe some of our friends from Living Hope, uh, or everybody that's with us at Lighthouse Online right now. Super duper glad you are with us today. Today. Um, but we are wrapping up our series called Heaven and Hell, where we've been looking at the Bible to discover what, how does the Bible describe heaven and hell, and, and what does all of that mean for us today? And so we're landing on the topic of what is genuine faith, and you're going to see how critically important genuine faith is 
to the topic of heaven and hell. So we're going to jump right in with a kind of just a working definition of what genuine faith is. When, when, I, when I look at all of the Bible, right, I'm looking at the Old Testament, I'm looking at the New Testament, thinking of all of these passages that are in between, I end up coming up with a, a definition of what I think the Bible has to say about genuine faith. And this is how I would, in a simplified format, define genuine faith. That genuine faith is intentional dependence on God in every area of my life. That genuine faith is intentional dependence on God in every area of my life. You know, in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and in verse 4, he says three words to them that I think are so vitally important for all of us when we're thinking about faith. He says this, remain in me. That is the core of what genuine faith really looks like. It's interesting, this word remain, it means to abide. It means to dwell. It means to live there. It means to just stay in that place and never leave or go anywhere else. And the way Jesus used it, he used it in this ongoing continual that you would never not remain in him, but you would always abide in him. You would always dwell with him. You would always live with him and depend on him. Right before that, in John 15, Jesus uses this analogy. He says it's kind of like a branch that survives by being connected to the main vine. If you cut the branch off from the main vine, the branch can't survive anymore. He says, that's what it's like between me and my disciples, that my disciples have to depend on me the way that a branch relies on the main vine to keep it alive. And so when we begin to think about this idea of genuine faith, we begin to see that genuine faith is learning how to trust God more and more. Finding new ways to trust God, right? Not less ways to trust God, but actually more ways to depend on God. And so genuine faith is things like believing that what the Bible says is true. Even the things that I struggle with and I'm not really a big fan of, I still believe that that's true. It's hoping for and looking forward to the things that God still has in store. Things like more people coming to faith. Things like the hope of heaven and eternity with him, right? Genuine faith is actually increasing in my neediness for God. Let me say that again. That's really, really critical. Genuine faith is increasing in my neediness for God. Actually, the more mature you become in your faith, the more you rely on God. The more you realize how much you need him and the less you're doing by yourself without his leadership and without his guidance. Uh, real quick, I want to just look at a couple places where Jesus describes this genuine faith. If, uh, if you look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10, you'll see this account of a Roman soldier comes to Jesus and says, I've got a servant who is not well. I think he's about to die. Would you heal him? And Jesus says, let's go. And it's amazing what this Roman soldier says. He goes, no, 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 no. I, I can't have you come to my house. I am not worthy. I know who you are. And I am not worthy to have you come under my roof and be in my house. He says, but I know that if you just say the word right now, that you can heal my servant. And Jesus, I love his response. He goes, what 
faith. I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel, right? The, the whole nation is supposed to be a people of faith. And here you have this godless Roman soldier who understands faith with greater depth than even a whole nation of people who have been raised up to understand it. Why does he celebrate the soldier's faith? I think part of it is because Jesus knew that this soldier was trusting Jesus' unlimited power and his authority, that literally at just the word, Jesus can accomplish anything. And he's saying that's, that's an, a major aspect of genuine faith, that genuine faith is trusting that Jesus is God and that God can do anything. And I love what Matthew does, because in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10, he tells a story of amazing faith. And then if you fast forward just a few more verses, uh, in verses 23 through 27, he actually tells, uh, or Matthew tells a story of the opposite of that. So what he continues to share is, okay, now all the disciples are in a boat, and, and they're just boating along, you know, whatever you do in a boat. And all of a sudden, this storm shows up, and they're freaking out, right? Here's all these fishermen on the boat, and they're like, Jesus, we're gonna die. Do something, right? Jesus was napping, by the way, okay? And so Jesus wakes up, and he says, oh, you of little faith, right? He goes, what, what, what are you doing here, right? And Jesus chastises them for not trusting his unlimited power and his authority, Right? Even though they had seen a number of things up until this moment, they hadn't crossed that line yet. And so then with just a word, right? Jesus, I, I, I wonder what, because Matthew doesn't tell us, I wonder what Jesus said to like the wind and the waves, right? If he's just like, you know, stop it, you know? And then it's just like, wow, and then it's over. But it's, you know, it's like immediately the wind and the waves obeyed and it calmed and the disciples were going, what kind of guy is this? And in that moment, their faith took one more step forward in understanding who Jesus is. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus said that sometimes genuine faith starts out small. That it starts out as small as a mustard seed, but from that place it begins to grow and it begins to develop, and it begins to overwhelm, that even a small amount of genuine faith can accomplish great, great things. And so I think a, a central piece to genuine faith is the audacity, the audacity to believe that Jesus is God and to live in light of that truth every single day. I think that's a huge aspect of genuine faith. I mean, think, think about this, this idea of depending on God, this idea of relying on God. And when you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you see the beginning, you have Adam and Eve. What did God want from Adam and Eve? He simply wanted them to depend on him, that what he said was true about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he wanted them to trust him. He wanted them to depend on him for everything, right? When you look in the book of Exodus, you see God actually intentionally put the nation of Israel into a position where they would have to depend on him for everything, right? It, when it came to crossing the Red Sea, 
when it came to manna from heaven, when it came to water from a rock in the middle of the desert. Everything was intentional positioning that the nation of Israel would depend on the Lord. And so thinking about genuine faith and dependence, and you begin to think and look at all of the scripture from beginning to end, you begin to see that genuine faith is Noah hearing from God and taking the first steps to go gather wood. That genuine faith is Abraham leaving his family because God asked him to. That genuine faith is Moses standing in front of Pharaoh with a message that is impossible to go talk to one of the most, empower, uh, the most powerful men in the world at that time. Genuine faith is Elijah praying for fire to fall on an altar that has been drenched with water on the sacrifice. That genuine faith is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to worship King Nebuchadnezzar no matter what the consequence is. We won't do it. Genuine faith is Peter and Andrew, James and John, walking away from their family business to follow Jesus. Genuine faith is Saul letting God transform his life from a Jesus hater to a Jesus preacher. Genuine faith is when you say yes to Jesus as your forgiver and as your leader because of what Christ has done for you on the cross and out of the grave. That genuine faith is trusting that God can forgive me, even me, for all of the sin in my life, the ones that you see very clearly and the ones that you may never know about. Genuine faith is reading the Bible as often as I can and trusting that the Holy Spirit transforms my mind and my heart with every, re- every word that I'm reading through. Genuine faith is praying with a friend who feels hopeless in a situation, and we trust that God's abiding presence is going to show up in a clear and remarkable way. That genuine faith is showing up to small group or showing up to serve in ministry, believing that today is less about me, and it actually may be more about someone else, and I need to be present for them in that moment. Genuine faith is the risk to start a spiritual conversation with a friend, not entirely knowing where it's going to go and how it's going to end. Genuine faith is taking the risk to invite a friend or a coworker or a neighbor to come to church with you because you believe they're going to hear God speak to them in a clear and remarkable way when they show up. When you look in the scriptures, you see that genuine faith starts with one step, but then it keeps on going, and it never stops, and you keep walking, and it continues with hundreds and thousands of additional steps after the first one, and you just never stop walking. Genuine faith is is the decision you make over and over again, that God's leadership over your life is far better than you leading your life on your own without him. And so do you begin to see that genuine faith really is intentional dependence on God in every area of my life? 
That's how the Bible is describing it. And, and maybe for some of you go, I, okay, I get that, I understand that, but why? Why is that so critical for me to understand that genuine faith is intentional dependence on God in every area of my life? Well, I think the first reason is this, is because you have to know that that's all God has ever wanted. All God has ever wanted was a people who would rely on him for absolutely everything. A, a, a little over 40 times throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, you see God continually sharing this phrase, that I would be their God. And many times he ends it with, and that they would be my people. That, it, you see it actually, the first reference is in Genesis, and the last reference is in, is in Revelation. And then it's peppered all throughout the scriptures when you read throughout. You see God again and again saying that I will be their God and they will be my people. This is what God has always wanted was people who would rely on him for absolutely everything. And you have to know that the goal of salvation is not that you would come to faith and you would be forgiven and then you can go and do whatever you want for the rest of your life. But actually salvation and forgiveness is meant to reconcile that relationship where now I learn for the rest of my existence how to depend on God and start living that for the rest of my life. There was actually, I don't know if you've ever gone through this, but there was a season in my life after I came to faith where I was just racked with this compulsion that I had to I had to please God in every way possible whatsoever and in any way that I fell short I didn't really know where I stood in my relationship with God and so during that season I was heaped on with a ton of guilt I was heaped on with a ton of fear because I'm just I know that Jesus saved me but I think it's on me to move forward and, and to do all of the things and make sure that I get them right. Because now that I'm a Christian, I have to do all of the right things so that God will keep accepting me. That's, that's how it was in my mind. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that in your life. But it was after about eight years of following Jesus, living that lifestyle, that one day I came across this passage in the New Testament letter to the Ephesians that actually the Holy Spirit used to open my eyes and help me to understand. And I had read this passage dozens of times before, right? But yet on this day, in this moment, when I read this passage, the Holy Spirit used it to change my life again. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. And actually, I want to do this. Let's read this passage out loud together because maybe for you, this will remind you of what you already know, or maybe it'll click freshly with you. But let's start with, for by his grace. Are you ready? Go. For by his grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so Paul is saying, when you came to faith, when you were saved, when you were forgiven, that's not because you did anything remarkable or amazing. This is a gift of the Lord. He is giving it to you. It is an act of grace. There's no work that you can accomplish to cross that line, because if you could, then there would be a reason for you to boast. But Paul says no one gets to boast. Only the Lord does, because it's only his work. He's the one who accomplished this. And so you've been saved through faith, right, by an act of God's grace. And so the way to forgiveness and salvation is to rely on God and not yourself. You see that? 
That's how salvation begins. Look, I appreciate uh, what it says in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says that, talking about God, it says, He saved us. Okay, that's important. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, right? But according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so again, in Titus, he's saying the same thing. It's God who saved us. It's not our own works of religion. It's not our own works of goodness. Rather, it's fully depending on the work of Jesus Christ for us to save us and to renew us. That's the beginning of genuine faith. You have to start there because actually that's how you continue into genuine faith. See, it's not that you rely on God to save you and then the whole rest of your life you try really, really hard and I'm going to do everything I can to be good and love people and I'm just going to show you the love of Jesus right now. You know, like I, like, and, and it's all on me to figure it out and do all the right things. Right? That's not, that's not how the Bible describes ongoing faith. In fact, genuine faith where you depend on God is the beginning point, but then it's ongoing and it never stops, right? There's a, there's a little bit, um, I threw together, I don't know how helpful this will be, some of you guys are visual, um, but I tried to chart out a little bit of what it looks like to walk with Jesus over your life. And so we all start out spiritually dead, right? And we have low, low dependence on God. We're like depending on God for air uh, and food, right? Like we don't even recognize that we need him even though we do. And then there's this moment when our eyes get opened up in salvation. And then this dependence on God over time begins to grow, right? And that's spiritual growth. And sometimes we're taking steps up. Sometimes it's dropping. Sometimes it's increasing, right, over the time of our life. A lot of people like to think that spiritual growth is just, it's just up and to the right. You're always increasing. You're always getting better. You're always trusting God more. And quite frankly, if you've lived more than five minutes, you know that's not true, right? <laughs> and so there's days where I'm like, I'm trusting God in new ways. And then there's days when God asks me to do something. I'm like, I don't know about that, Lord. That seems like something you should save for someone else, <laughs> you know, to do. But so there's these ebbs and these flows, and that's what spiritual growth looks like. And then one day you'll die, right? And it's in that moment where our dependence on God will come to a new place, because now we won't be held back by sin anymore, right? And we will be able to depend on the Lord in a fresh way, like, we're, like we were designed to like we were supposed to, right? But what happens is so often people trust Jesus in their salvation and then they stop there and they don't go any further and they feel stuck and they feel frustrated and they go, well, I guess faith doesn't work for me because nobody ever told them that it's about living a life of depending on God always. And what, never, what no one really explained to them is that faith is ongoing, and it's actually iterative. So I want to zoom in on the little dots. So what this kind of looks like is along these dots, these moments that actually will increase your times of trust in the Lord, is it usually starts out with an awareness of your sin. That can come from reading the Bible, and you realize, oh, wow, the, Bible, the way the Bible describes life and the way I'm living are very, very different from each other right now. That's an awareness of sin. 
Maybe you're praying and the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you probably shouldn't have said what you said to that person, right? You go, oh, yeah, but they deserved it, right? And you rationalize and then the Holy Spirit keeps working with you. Or some of you have really, really good friends who are following Christ and they'll come to you and they'll say, hey, Fritz, man, I noticed this uh, recently and I just, I love you and I know you want to walk with Jesus. So I'm not being like harsh or anything. I just thought maybe this is a blind spot for you. And so you would want to be aware of that. But so what happens is the Holy Spirit causes us to be aware of our sin. And then there's a decision, right? That either I'm going to ignore what I've just realized or I'm going to move forward in that, and the way forward is to confess and to go, Lord, I see what you see, and I know that's not in line with your character. That's not in line with what you've saved me for and what you've saved me from, and so we move from confession into a place of repentance. By the way, repentance is just a fancy biblical word that says you change your mind, and you turn around, and so you were pursuing sin, and you change your mind about it, and you turn around, and you start pursuing righteousness in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all repentance is, and then you come to this place when you've changed your mind that I'm going to choose to trust God's truth instead of my own mind and my own thinking or the world's values or whatever it might be, and in that moment, right, there's this bump of faith Right? This bump of dependence, this bump of new trust that I'm going to choose to trust God's truth over my own life. And so this, this is how the Holy Spirit transforms your life, by the way. Right? This whole process, this is him working in your heart, working in your spirit, working in your mind. It's absolutely remarkable. And so just to give a real quick example, it could be that maybe you, you're reading the Bible and you come across a passage where Jesus said to bless your enemies and forgive the people who are like just annoying to you. Right? That's not specifically in the Bible, but you can read between the lines. Right? We all got annoying people. Um, but So then the Holy Spirit helps you see that you have got this really just bad relationship with a guy named Andy at your work. Sorry, anybody named Andy here today, okay? Um, but you've just been harboring anger against this coworker and the things that you've been going through. And so, but you want to grow in your faith. And so you become aware of this and you confess this sin to the Lord and you make the decision that I'm going to let that anger go. I'm going to let that bitterness go. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to transform me so that I can bless this person instead. And then you show up to work the next day and you, there he is, annoying Andy, right? He's right there. And it's like you feel it welling up. But then in that moment, the Holy Spirit reminds you, you don't, you, you let go of that bitterness. You let go of that anger. You don't have to do this like you've always done it before. And so on that day, when you would normally ignore Andy, or you would say something just a little bit snarky to him. Instead, what you do is you say, hey, morning, Andy, and you keep going. That's a step of faith. And then the next time you see Andy, you say, hey, morning, Andy, how was your weekend? How'd it go? That's a step of faith. And what God does is he begins to thread through these steps of faith, these small ones that you're just trusting the Holy Spirit to transform your life moment by moment, step by step. Before you know it, you, the place where you couldn't stand to be in Andy's presence, now how you don't even understand why you're having dinner with his family on a Friday night because you want to, because you love Andy now. 
and you love his family and you're seeing how God is actually using that friendship, that reconciliation to draw Andy and his family to faith. Listen, it takes time to learn how to depend on God. It takes time to learn how to depend on God. And I know for some of you, you have just been weighting yourself down with guilt and shame because you're like, I'm not where that person is. You're not that person. And you haven't been through the things that they've been through. You're you. And the Lord is inviting you to trust him in a fresh way today. I've got to tell you, the ways that I'm trusting God today are so wildly different than when I was trusting him at 17, 18, 19 years old. Right? Because he's growing. He is like he is inviting me to stuff that's freaking me out. And I'm over here going, Lord, I think this is for someone else. I got the wrong email, right? And so I, you need this. And yet I'm wrestling through that. And I'm trying to take steps forward. And And I think too often people get messed up in their thinking going, well, heaven and hell, that's the difference between good people and evil people. That's not how the Bible describes it. The difference between heaven and hell is not good and evil. The difference between heaven and hell is heaven is for those people who have chosen to rely on God and grow in that. And hell is for people who have said, I don't need God and I don't want him. I'll live life on my own terms. You have to see that. And just, I'm going to throw out an idea for you to consider thinking through into a next step. I think we'll help you grow in genuine faith. We've actually created this class called Saying Yes to Jesus class. Because we title things very, you know, it's like, what do you call your membership class? Well, membership class. <laughs> what do you call your student ministries? Lighthouse students. Uh, right? We're just not very creative. And maybe that's a good thing. But we've created this class. It's a one-time, 60-minute class where you are going to discover the central piece to spiritual growth. And you're going to learn the number one thing you can start doing that day that will help you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ and God to transform your life. And so that class is being offered next Sunday during the 11-11. If you want to get information about that, mark that next step on the back of your blue connection card. We will get you all the information tomorrow. Um, We will reserve your seat. Uh, We'll do all of that. But I would encourage you, check that out because I think that could be something very, very helpful for many of us in the family today. But I want you to imagine what it would look like in your life to live in genuine faith, to live in genuine faith, right? Like imagine the fear that you're going to leave behind because you're not wondering, am I really a Christian? Am I really a follower of Jesus or not? Can you imagine the amount of time you're going to get back? Not living under anxiety and fear and worry with that anymore. Imagine, imagine that you know that when your faith comes, somebody comes and tests your faith. It's not going to come up as fake. It's going to come up as real. 
That's going to come up as genuine. You know that the Holy Spirit is abiding within you and God is transforming your life. Can you imagine the joy that's going to flood your heart because you know that Jesus has put his claim on you and you are his and he is yours for all of eternity. Can you imagine one day what it's going to be like looking forward that at the end of your life, you get to hear the words from the Father, well done. Well done, my faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of your master. Welcome home. To know that you're going to hear those words. Listen, genuine faith will change your life. I want to invite you to bow your heads, to close your eyes, and I want you to ask Jesus this one question. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And then I just want you to listen to him. What's he saying to you? just recognize that in a room this size that there are likely people all over the spectrum and I'm simply asking I'm not asking that you would bring us into like unity in experience but just unity in the fact that we recognize that following Jesus is so much about growing to depend on you more and more rather than needing you less and less. I pray for my friends right now who are wrestling because they've heard your voice. They have heard you invite them into a next step to trust you and and it feels like too much. I pray that you would remind them even now that you are a good, good father who can be trusted always. I pray for friends who, who are excited about the work that you're doing in their lives and they, and they want to help other people take steps into that as well. I pray that you would move them to, to discover and use their gifts to serve the people around them, to bless people with things like truth and prayer and encouragement and all of those things and know that our role as a church is to simply walk with one another hand in hand, helping each other to trust you more and more in our personal lives. Holy Spirit, we desire you to keep leading us with thoughtfulness and in truth. Cause us to look more like Jesus. Bring us into the character of Christ more and more, we pray. And I imagine that there are people in this room who are battling with all kinds of different things, things that some of the things you've shared with me before and I am praying with you, other things you haven't told anybody. It's that reason why at the end of every service we always have prayer leaders who are available to pray for you so let me tell you what's going to happen here we the band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in just one more song it's not a super long song but while they're leading us in that song we're going to have prayer leaders available in each 
corner of the room. So I'm actually going to ask those prayer leaders if you'll stand up and start heading over to those corners so people know where you're going to be and they can be ready to be prayed with if they're seeking for somebody to pray with you. So you can start moving to those places even now. And what I want to encourage you on this is this, is please don't, don't ever feel ashamed that you need prayer because every single one of us need prayer. All of us, we need prayer. And so if there's anything at all, it doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small or insignificant you think it might be. Do you know that God cares about every single aspect of your life? Everyone. And he wants to invite you to learn how to depend on him just a little bit more today. And so simply praying with a friend or another follower of Christ might be a step for you to trust God a little bit more. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everybody here in the room to stand as we prepare to worship. And if you want to receive prayer in just a moment, just step out of your seat, head to one of those corners. We are ready to pray with you this morning. Let me pray for you first, and then I want to invite you to do the same. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.